Hello to all my readers and listeners. This is Karen Hunt, aka KH Majek, and I have another um, kind of long essay for you today, heavily researched. I, I've worked on this one really quite a lot, and it's actually part one of what will probably be a, a three part series titled, so far titled, Mind Games. And this piece is called Acceptable Torture. And I just want to say before I start it that I have a deep appreciation for my readers and my listeners. Without your support, it would be absolutely impossible for me to spend the many hours needed to research and write these essays. So I would encourage you to please consider becoming a free or especially a paid subscriber. And thank you so much. All right, so let's get into this. Acceptable torture. I also have belonged to those groups of men who believe they can produce the truth with white hot iron. Well, let me tell you, the white heat of truth comes from another flame. And that's a quote from Umberto Eco. On November 2nd, 2022, Oculus VR founder and designer of the Oculus Rift, Palmer Lucky, wrote a blog post titled, If You Die in the Game, You Die in Real Life. He described sword, sword art online as a death game that could only be escaped through completion, a game where if players hit points dropped to zero, their brain would be bombarded by extraordinarily powerful microwaves, supposedly killing the user. Lucky goes on to say that the big problem that always bothered him was how pumped up graphics might make a game look more real, but only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game. He then describes how he refined a microwave emitter within the game, hidden so that employees, regulators, and partners didn't know about it that could be overdriven to a lethal level. Lucky refined it by tying three explosive charge modules to a narrowband photosensor so that when the screen flashes red at a specific frequency, a game over screen is displayed and the charges are fired, instantly destroying the brain of the user. He finished his post by saying that as far as he knows, it's the first non-fiction example of a VR device that can actually kill the user. It won't be the last. Now, if some game-obsessed kid posted this from his parents' basement, the FBI would be breaking down the door in no time. The thing is, Lucky's a mere 31 years old, so not much more than a boy himself. Even worse, so you'd think, he's a Trump supporter who was most likely fired from Oculus in 2016 due to his conservative political views. So why isn't he being investigated by the FBI? Because he's an untouchable wunderkind who, at least for now, is beneficial to the state. Of course, Lucky should take note of what happened to that other wunderkind. Sam Bankman fried, freed. In the higher echelons of power, remember, this is what we must always remember, and which I remind my readers kind of regularly, there is no left or right, no Republican or Democrat, no conservative or liberal, not even any communist or capitalist. There is only greed and power. Lucky wasted no time after leaving Oculus and in 2017 co-founded Anduril Industries, whose top priority is national defense. 
Perfect for a guy whose big dream is to create a game that would kill the loser in real life. If Lucky is a wunderkind, Andrel is a wunder company. It makes massive AI surveillance defense systems for the United States military, as well as for other agencies. Sensors are used for tracking people along with motion detectors and cameras that can find and follow anyone wherever they go, monitored by a networked system that relies on computer vision algorithms. Andrel's tracking and surveillance systems can be used in urban environments, in battlefields, and in multiple different environments for the enhancement of security. There are implications for military use as well as for civilian security needs. In February 2022, Andrel won a $1 billion contract to lead counter-unmanned systems work for SOCOM, or United States Special Operations Command. It... Um, and which involves which is involved with clandestine clandestine activities such as direct action, special reconnaissance, counterterrorism, foreign internal defense, unconventional warfare, psychological warfare, civil affairs, and counter narcotics operations. Psychological warfare is what we are most interested in with this essay. It involves various techniques used and aimed at influencing a target's audience's value system, belief system, emotions, motives, reasoning, or behavior. It is used to induce confessions or reinforce attitudes and behaviors favorable to the originator's objectives and are sometimes combined with black operations or false flag tactics. It is also used to destroy the morale of, com of enemies through tactics that aim to depress troops' psychological states. Elites and those who serve them at the highest level can say and do the most outrageous things and get away with it, like Lucky creating a game where the loser dies in real life while at the same time working on devices for psychological warfare for the government. Of course, the government would never use the talents of such people to inflict psychological weapons on their own citizens. It is always the enemy. That would be preposterous. Somebody like Lucky, what a name, right? Is just joking around. This is what those in power do. Flip information back and forth constantly from one theory to the next. We wonder why Fauci is still free and collecting his exorbitant retirement package. We wonder why Gates is still jabbing children in Africa or why Pfizer and Moderna, companies so corrupt, they should have gone out of business long ago are not only still building their empires, but make no secret of their goal, that their goal is to inject every single person on the planet with their drugs and put us all under their surveillance and control. Conspiracy theories, what I, all of what I just said, right? That phrase is now so embedded in our minds that we would be foolish if we said it hasn't deeply influenced our outlook on information, even if we think we are savvy enough to discern what is true and what isn't. The elites will often pick the most vulnerable among us upon which to conduct their experiments. That way, they can be easily bought off or discredited if they try to talk about what is happening to them. We've all heard that the first casualty of war is truth. It's worse than that. Truth has become the first casualty in everyday life. The elites have manipulated, discredited, and denied the truth so convincingly that it has all but disappeared. And then they are doing the same to anyone who stands for the truth, anyone who values honesty and integrity over lies and manipulation. 
is dangerous to their agenda of total mind control. In a 2019 speech at Texas A&M University, Pompeo jokingly asked his audience, what's the motto of West Point? You will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. Well, he continued, we lied, we cheated, we stole. And he laughed as if he thought it was very funny and clever. And of course, the brainwashed public who were sitting there listening to him laughed as well. We are constantly bombarded by contradictions like this, and people have come to accept it. We will never know if COVID escaped from the Wuhan lab or not, for example. But someone knows, probably quite a few people. We will never know if COVID is even real, but someone knows exactly what it is. People were made to be terrified of it. They were locked in their homes to protect themselves from the deadly virus. All the while, Boris Johnson held parties at number 10 Downing Street. What did the people attending those parties know that we didn't? If a bioweapon was really released from a biolab and proceeded to travel around the world, infecting and killing millions, do you think Wesley Boris Johnson would be holding parties? No, he would be locked away under the tightest security. Uh, The conversation article titled 59 Labs Around the World Handle the Deadliest Pathogens continues with explaining that these biolabs contain the most dangerous pathogens on the planet, ones that can cause serious disease and for which no treatment or vaccines exist. The Wuhan Institute of Virology was the largest BSL-4 lab in the world, though it will soon be overtaken by the National Bio and Agro-Defense Facility at Kansas State University in the United States. The vast majority of countries with maximum containment labs do not regulate dual-use research, which refers to experiments that are conducted for peaceful purposes, but can be adapted to cause harm or gain-of-function research, which is focused on increasing the ability of of a pathogen to cause disease. COVID was a practice run. The DNA data of millions of people was collected through PCR tests. I write about why this was so important in the nefarious goal behind COVID testing. And there's a link there to that article if you're interested to read it, if you haven't already. An article from Dartmouth Undergraduate Journal of Science titled Genetically Engineered Bioweapons, a New Breed of Weapons for Modern Warfare explains... Biological weapons are designed to spread disease among people, plants, and animals through the introduction of toxins and microorganisms such as viruses and bacteria. As researchers continue to transition from the era of DNA sequencing into the era of DNA synthesis, it may soon become feasible to synthesize any virus whose DNA sequence is known. According to biological warfare expert Dr. Stephen Block, genetically engineered pathogens could be made far safer to handle, easier to distribute, capable of ethnic specificity, or be made to cause higher mortality rates. According to the European Bioinformatics Institute, as of December 2012, this is way back in December 2012, scientists had sequenced the genomes of 3,139 viruses, 1,016 plasmids, and 2,167 bacteria, some of which are published on the internet and are therefore accessible to the public. With complete genomes available and the aforementioned advances in gene synthesis, scientists will soon be able to design pathogens by creating synthetic 
genes, synthetic viruses, and possibly entirely new organisms, which is what they are doing now. Are the COVID vaccines gene therapy? Again, there is no answer, only contradictions. According to Reuters, Dr. Adam Taylor, a virologist and research fellow at the Menzies Health Institute, Queensland Griffith University, says that gene therapy in the classical sense involves making deliberate changes to a patient's DNA in order to treat or cure them. mRNA vaccines will not enter a cell's nucleus that houses your DNA genome. There is zero risk of these vaccines integrating into our own genome or altering our genetic makeup. He then goes on to say that mRNA enters cells shortly after vaccination and instructs them to create a SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, prompting the immune response. He added that unlike gene therapy, mRNA vaccines are then rapidly degraded by the body. So wait, mRNA does enter cells, but not the nucleus, and then it is rapidly degraded. I won't go into the other side, but doctors dispute this, saying it stays in the body much longer. Again, major constant contradictions. <clears throat> Regardless, the fact is that this has been an experiment on the grandest scale ever seen. I just have to write something there. As I've mentioned in other essays, mRNA factories are being built all over the world. What is next could very well be actual gene therapy, where genetic composition of those injected will be permanently changed. By replacing existing genes with harmful genes, this technique can be used to manufacture bioweapons, as we've seen. Of the 59 biolabs around the world, according to the citizen, the United States has biolabs in 25 countries in the Middle East, Africa, Southeast Asia, the former Soviet Union. In Ukraine alone, there are 16 of them. In November 2022, Judicial Watch announced it received 345 pages of records from the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, a component of the U.S. Department of Defense, revealing that the United States funded anthrax laboratory activities in a Ukrainian biolab in 2018. Dozens of pages are completely redacted, and many others are heavily redacted. The records show over $11 million in funding for the Ukraine biolabs program in 2019. When in November 2020, Russia demanded that the United Nations create a commission to investigate Moscow's claims of a joint U.S.-Ukrainian military biological program, the U.N.'s 15-nation Security Council voted it down. United States U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said Russia's claims were based on disinformation, dishonesty, bad faith, and a total lack of respect for this body. <clears throat> Now, this is the same woman who, in March 2021, told the UN General Assembly, I know the ugly face of racism. I lived racism. I have experienced racism, and I survived racism. With the entire world as her witness that day, Linda Thomas-Greenfield painted the United States as the most corrupt, violent, and oppressed place on earth, a place where black lives matter. We all know how corrupt that organization turned out to be, and where we must dismantle white supremacy at every turn. She vowed that she would focus on helping to restore trust and professionalism to the State Department. Hollow words. For the past three years, the U.S. government has done nothing but lie to its own people and the world about everything from COVID's origins to vaccine safety and efficacy to the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan to blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline and on and on. All of these lies are bad enough, 
But when we realize that our very own government and those who live in Europe, Australia, UK, New Zealand, who are reading this, you can include your governments too, intentionally colluded with pharmaceutical companies to conduct this colossal experiment on every citizen down to babies, surely this constitutes the greatest crime in history. Not only because of the crime itself, but because of what it portends for the future. Thanks to the brainwashing that occurred due to COVID, the authorities can now literally say anything they want about any theory one day and contradict themselves the next, and it doesn't matter. One side can think it's false, and the other side can think it's true. Pundits have risen up to feed each side the information they want to hear. This gives everyone the impression that they are in the know, and they do not dig any deeper or look, and they do not need to dig any deeper or look any further. This is a kind of torture, only it has been going on for so long. People have become used to it. People are being zombified by drugs and technological devices. 60 or 70 years ago, if people were suddenly drugged up and wired into technology the way they are today, I don't think their bodies or their minds would be able to handle it. They would become violently ill, both physically and mentally. It might even kill them. Now, the opposite is true. If people were suddenly denied all the drugs and the technology that they have become addicted to, that they, that they have become addicted to, they would become violently ill and many would die. As of February 2023, 66% of U.S. adults take prescription drugs. That does not take into account all the drugs people take that are not prescribed, another topic I've covered extensively in other essays. So now we're going to jump from there to uh, to Havana system. That's kind of a, a, a an introduction to this topic of these three essays that I that I am uh, writing. So let's look at Havana syndrome. Now, acceptable torture is a big topic. With this introduction, I am only going to talk about Havana syndrome. But in order to understand what's going on with it. With that, we must we have to first have a little discussion about smart devices. Added to that, it is quite chilling to note that over 60% of Americans now have smart devices telling them what to do in the most melodious tones. And no, do not say to me that I'm wrong. Do not say to me that you are the one in charge telling Alexa what to do. For years, your data has been collected. Alexa knows what you like and what you don't like. The more Alexa tells you one thing, the more the algorithms reinforce it. So, how do you even know any longer why you like a certain type of toothpaste, for example, over another one? Who put that thought in your head in the first place? Was it you or was it the machine? Alexa now offers those who have her in their home daily mental health advice. This while she is listening to and recording every single thing you say. And I have a, a um, I have a, I have a chart here in my essay that shows U.S. households using smart home devices from 2018 to 2025, and the growth is quite astounding. People think these devices are making them freer. They think they have a little servant in their house to do their bidding. In fact, they are being enslaved. They do not realize because they have been brainwashed to think that up is down and down is up. What does it mean to be brainwashed? 
to make someone believe something by repeatedly telling them that it is true and preventing any other information from reaching them. This represents what has happened to us on overdrive over the past three years. Researchers can now send secret audio instructions undetectable to the human ear to Apple's Siri, Amazon's Alexa, and Google's Assistant. We know we cannot trust companies like Google and Microsoft. We know we cannot trust our government. We know our government colludes with these companies in order to control us. Therefore, why would we allow these intrusions into our most private spaces, our homes? If they can send messages we cannot hear, that means they can send messages to influence our thoughts. Do you think such mind control techniques are not being used by these smart devices? According to the New York Times, inside university labs, the researchers have been able to secretly activate the artificial intelligence systems on smartphones and smart speakers, making them dial num phone numbers or open websites. This month, some of those Berkeley researchers published a research paper that went further, saying they could embed commands directly into recordings of music or spoken text. So, while a human listener hears someone talking or an orchestra playing, Amazon's Echo speaker might hear an instruction to add something to your shopping list. We wanted to see if we could make it even more stealthy, said Nicholas Carlini, a fifth-year PhD student in computer security at UC Berkeley and one of the paper's authors. Mr. Carlini added that while there was no device that these techniques have left, that there was no evidence that these techniques have left the lab, it may only be a matter of time before someone starts exploiting them. My assumption is that the malicious people already employ people to do what I do, he said. Of course they've left the lab. Forget about malicious people. If Google is doing it, you can be sure our military is doing it, and you can be sure our government is using it upon its own citizens. By the way, there is no American law against broadcasting subliminal messages to humans, let alone machines. Taken a, a step further, once our brains are connected directly to our devices, what will stop outside forces from sending subliminal messages directly to our brains? Giving us commands, making us do things, and we will no longer be able to distinguish whether the choices we make are our own or the machines, or whoever is behind the machines. How foolish are those who get chipped so they no longer have to worry about carrying keys to their car or the, for, to their car or their house. They will be able to open and close doors with their minds, like magic, dark magic, whose minds who, whose mind is actually in control of those doors. They warn us about thieves hacking de these devices, but our brains will have already been hacked by the government. What if the government decides that we should not leave our homes and the doors should no longer open? What if the government decides we need to be disciplined with a mind-shattering noise inside our heads? What if the government decides we need to be driven crazy by voices yelling at us, making suggestions to us? The horrors are endless. I wonder sometimes if a major goal of all of this is to create a hive mind where individual thought becomes obsolete. There will only be the collective and acceptable thoughts of the hive. You can take your pick of who might control the hive. Certainly our own government entities such as the CIA and the FBI are working to achieve this complete mind control of the billions of ordinary citizens around the world. They are answerable to those above them, but who those entities are, I'm not sure we know. So now, back to Havana Syndrome. 
The first cases of what became known as Havana Syndrome emerged in Cuba in 2016, involving complaints of nosebleeds, migraines, and nausea after experiencing piercing sounds at night. Since then, there have been cases reported around the world, including clusters of at least 60 incidences in Bogota, Colombia, and Vienna, Austria. There have there have been about 1,500 reported cases across the U.S. government in 96 different counties, including some cases reported this year. Just a few days ago, it was reported that a review of Havana Syndrome by the U.S. intelligence community found it very unlikely that a foreign adversary or energy weapon is the cause. Hmm. This is interesting because it is a complete about-face for U.S. intelligence agencies. Ever since the first known attacks in 2016, the U.S. intelligence community and the state media have been putting the suggestion into the public's consciousness that the mysterious syndrome was caused by our great adversary, Russia. In 2020, reports by National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine and the Journal of the American Medical Association concluded that there were four plausible attack vectors on U.S. officials directed radio frequency energy chemicals, infectious agents, and psychological and social factors. According to American University, Washington, D.C., victims described being bombarded by waves of pressure in their heads or hearing the noise of an immense swarm of cicadas filling their heads. Others portrayed the effects as a wall of sound in one place, but not another as if they were deliberately targeted. Most recently, in January 2020, a pair of National Safety Council staffers experienced symptoms just outside the White House, with one telling Adam Entus of the New, York, of the New Yorker that when it hit, he felt as if I was going to die. But now, this new report says, nope. Journalist Glenn Greenwald, for whom I have great respect, uh, just... Um, uh, uh, just gave a talk about this on his um, system update report. In this report, Glenn, uh, in this report, Greenwald comments on how a year ago he did a report called "The Latest CIA Media Fraud Claiming Cricket Mating Sounds Are a Russian Sonic Microwave Attack." I looked it up. Headlines from conservative press all talked about about these cricket sounds, but state media didn't really. However, I did find this sentence in The Insider. Then in October 2017, the Associated Press Press published a recording of the noise believed to be part of the attack, but scientists identified the sound as the mating call of a local cricket. So I went to the original AP article and the only reference to crickets, although the other one that I that I did reference said cicadas, is this. It sounds sort of like a mass of crickets, a high-pitched whine, but from what? So this is disappointing because you would like to believe that conservative journalists do not resort to the same twisting of truth that the state media is guilty of, but they do. Talking about crickets as if their mating sounds cause the debilitating illnesses these people have experienced takes the focus away from the reasonable and puts it squarely onto the absurd. Greenwald makes a valid point of why he and he, a journalist of great integrity, would believe a new report from the CIA media when he didn't believe their last report. But he justifies this by saying that their previous he justifies this by saying that their previous report says the attacks came from Russia 
and it was in the interest and this was in the interest of the US government. However, this new report is not in the interest of the government. Therefore, we should believe it. I find this to be a flimsy reason at best. Since when has the US government, especially in the last three years, voluntarily given out information running contrary to its interests? Just like the about face when the Wuhan lab virus escape theory, with the Wuhan lab virus escape theory, all this does for liberals and conservatives alike is create more confusion and frustration. That is the intention, not to tell the truth. I reiterate that we know our government experiments on its own citizens. With these new revelations, anyone in the future who claims to suffer from such debilitating symptoms will not be taken seriously. If large numbers of people suffer, it will just be labeled as mass hysteria. Perhaps over time, just as people have learned to accept the dumbing of their minds and destruction of their bodies through addiction to drugs and technological devices, as well as constant surveillance for their health and safety, so too, people will begin to accept the debilitating effects of mass mind control through sounds and energy waves bombarding their brains. As one former CIA agency officer who experienced symptoms says, There is something counterintuitive to all of this. If doctors are diagnosing some of us with a qualified injury to the brain in the line of duty, and we are not saying it was a foreign adversary, what was it from? Mark Zaid, an attorney whose firm represents dozens of AHI victims, said in a statement to ABC News that the assessment, this recent assess, this most recent assessment, lacks transparency, adding, we continue to question the accuracy of the alleged findings. And I quote him, until the shrouds of secrecy are lifted and the analysis that led to today's assertions are available and subject to proper challenge, the alleged conclusions are substantively worthless, he said. But the damage it has caused to the morale of the victims, particularly by deflecting from the government's failure to evaluate all the evidence, is real and must be condemned. And remember, we must go back to what psychological warfare, the psychological warfare is about, which is debilitating uh, effects of destroying morale in the people that it's inflicted upon. But does anyone really think the shrouds of secrecy will ever be lifted? Of course they won't. As the young man in the video below so powerfully says, and I have the video there if you want to watch it or listen, oftentimes you find that people will protect the institutions rather than expose the truth. And as long as the institutions stay intact, they are protected. So it's a mutual uh, advantage of protection. Under torture, you say not only what the inquisitor wants, but also what you imagine might please him because a bond, and this is truly diabolical, is established between you and him. These things I know, Ubertino. I also have belonged to those groups of men who believe they can produce the truth with white hot iron. Well, let me tell you, the white heat of truth comes from another flame. And that's a full quote of Umberto Eco from the book, The Name of the Rose, which I quote at the beginning of this essay. First, we were made to question words on paper, our own histories and belief systems, our heritage, our stories that grounded us in a sense of who we are in a vast impersonal universe. 
Then we were made to question what we see with our own eyes. We can no longer be sure that anything we see on the screen is true, from the images we get coming out of the Ukraine war to the images people put on social media of themselves. Our very identities have become questionable. And now, if you feel something inside your very own body, if it doesn't feel right, if it is painful, even an agony of pain, you cannot trust that either. It might be disturbing to realize that all of this is causing us to form ever-tightening bonds with our inquisitors, our tormentors. We have found our pundits that we trust. In these confusing and frightening times, surely there must be someone we can trust. Because this psychological warfare, this torture of our minds and bodies has reached such a level that we can no longer even believe what we feel inside our own bodies. This is why for me, over the past few years, I have returned to a deeper connection to the Bible, particularly the teachings of Jesus. Oh, but we don't know his claims were true any more than we know the claims of our governments are true. His words are mu- are as unknown. His words are as much unknown and the manipulation as what we are experiencing today. But if we apply logic, as we always must, we reach the conclusion that C.S. Lewis reached in mere Christianity. And I quote him, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus' claims are not the same as the gray zone we now live in, where nothing is true or real and anything can be seen as up or down or left or right. No, Jesus' claims are either true or they aren't. There can be no middle ground. For me, this helps remind me that some things really are true. And no matter how much anyone tries to confuse me, no matter how much hatred or derision is thrown my way for having faith, it does not have to negatively affect me, worry me, or scare me. Everyone lives by faith, whether they like to admit it or not. I choose to put my faith in the one who said he was the word. I encourage those who have made it to the end of this essay to read Jesus' words. I end with them, because we need these powerful, uplifting words to balance the darkness I have spoken of here. Remember how this essay started, with a wunderkind boasting about how he could make a game where the loser would be killed in real life. These are the people our government rewards with billions of dollars in contracts. This is the mentality that we stand against. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And that's from Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. All of life and the future of humanity hangs 
on these two commandments. That's the end of this first essay. Thank you so much for listening and for reading. I appreciate you. Please subscribe. Uh, Please uh, share, comment, like, and God bless.